Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. All right, gang. Well, I'm going to start today with a little video, um, and here's a disclaimer before I show you this video. Straight up, it's a hard video to watch. How many of you know that the animal kingdom can be a violent place? Did you know that? Okay. Uh, the animal kingdom is not politically correct. It's, it's like survival of the fittest. So let me describe the video you're going to see. Maybe you've already seen this on social media. It's been out for years. It's got like 180 million views. But there was a group of tourists on safari over in Africa, and they're filming with their cameras this big herd of water buffalo that are kind of heading toward this little watering hole. And then off camera, they notice this group of lions, and all of a sudden they realize the lions are getting ready to pounce, like they're getting down, getting low. And so it's, if you're squeamish and don't want to watch, don't watch, because what you're going to watch is nature take its course, and you're going to see a group of lions pick off one of the little ones, the little water buffalo, and it has a happy ending, but it gets a little tense in the middle when, it, when a crocodile gets involved in all of this. So anyway, there's a point, and there's a reason I'm showing this to you, but be forewarned. Kill the lights and roll the video, please. Check this out. Lions are right over there. And they're very intently watching the buffalo. We're moving right over there. They're crouching. She's quite thick. Uh oh. What's a bull gonna do? She's going for him. She caught him. Oh, she did. She got him. Maybe he's, he's gone. He's trying to get that. Check through the bonnet. The cock's trying to grab the baby. Yes. Look at this. Oh, my God. Oh, they're going to fight over it. Because I'm shaking. Oh, my God. Oh, he's coming for Huge Oh, look at those. Oh, the lions are one. Oh, they're going to come and try and chase the lion, but I think they're too late. I think you're right. They're way too late now. No, they're going to chase him. Come on. Oh, they're too late. Oh, look at the teeth. Look at them. They're going to chase them. Look at the teeth, Jay. Look at them. Come You're too late. You're too late. You guys, you cannot believe what's going on here. There's a big terrier between lions, crocodiles, and buffaloes. Look at them all. Whoa. He swatted him. You got the lion on him, Ryan. Look at the beast. 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 Look at the beast
can you believe this? I've never seen that. I've never seen anything like that. The calf's still alive. It is? Yeah, it's trying to get away. It's standing up. It is, it's still alive. Oh, is it? Oh, and I've got to the end of the water. It's standing up. It's standing up. It's running away. It's running away. It's running back. They've got him back. They do have him back. Look at that. There's two left. Gee, they chased him away. Oh, they're terrified. But they look the one. They're the one. Come on, Buffalo. Go on. Come on, Buffalo. Come on, Buffalo. All right, so it, it has a happy ending. I'm pretty sure that little thing went off camera and died somewhere. But anyway, we'll pretend it has a happy ending. And um, it's a, actually the, the full footage is longer. There's a really cool part. We edited it down just to make it a little shorter. Um, but there was a part where one of those water buffalo comes in and just launches one of those lions up in the air with his horns and all of this. So you're like, why did we just watch that video? I'll tell you in a minute. But first of all, let me remind us where we're at in this series we're th- in the middle of right now. We're in a series called Rescue Ready. And kind of the overarching principle or, or lesson in this series, the point we're making is that we have been called to join Jesus Christ in his mission of rescue. Like, in this series, we're really asking the question, it's a question of purpose. What is our purpose as a church? What is our purpose as individual Christians? And, and it's that. It's, it's all about rescue. It's about joining Jesus in his mission of rescue. Now, the rescue, I, in your handouts, you've got the little thing I'm putting in front of you, like every week in this series. It's up on the, the screens here. It's an acronym that we've, in this six-letter acronym, R-E-S-C-U-E, don't make me saying it, R-E-S-C-U-E. Anyway, um, in this acronym, we've got the five New Testament purposes of the church. So let's go through them. The R stands for reaching lost people with the gospel. That's evangelism. Okay, that's, that's at the end of the day, like if you're here or you're watching online and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that is your greatest need above all else is to know Christ and to have the, the gift of eternal life imparted into you through faith in Christ alone. So that's, that's central to the mission of Jesus. Secondly, the E, equipping saved people to follow Jesus. That's discipleship. And, and in that, when we parked on that value and that purpose, we basically made the point that the expectation for Christians is that we grow, that we mature in our walk with Christ. The S is sending out the church to serve others. That's ministry. And we spent a few weeks parked on this idea that ministry is is meeting the uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people, both within the church and beyond. And we're called to serve other people in ministry. Today, we're, we're getting to the next two letters, the C and the U. The C is caring for one another, and the U is uniting in authentic relationships. The the biblical principle there, the the purpose, is that of fellowship. So today, we're going to talk about fellowship, and we're going to understand that we have been invited to be a part of a band of brothers and sisters, if you will. That's what I'm calling this message, a band of brothers. That's what the church is supposed to be, and we're going to drill down into that. And then finally, the E, we'll get to that in a few weeks. That's exalting Christ in all things. That's worship. Any command in the New Testament, anytime we see something happening that's good and, and, and something we should model in our own life, it falls into one of those five purposes. Evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship. That is our purpose, both as individual 
Christians and as the church gathered together, it's all of those things. That's what we mean when we say rescue. And I'm kind of staging all of this in the backdrop of the the fire community because I just love this idea that we are just like essentially a first responder group. Like we are to be ready at any given moment to, to rescue, to do those things. That is why we exist as a church. That's why we're here right now is for the purpose of rescue. Well, let, let's talk about this video for just a minute. Why did, why did I show you this video? I want to, to ask you to think for just a moment. How would that story have ended for that little calf had it not been for his, if you will, community that came back for him? Like he would have been the, the guest of honor at the lunch of lions, right? Like it was, it was done for him, but his community came back for him. I, I love that analogy. To me, that's a really cool little picture of what the church ought to be. The church ought to be that family of believers that cares for one another, that protects one another. Um, because check this out. I, I'm here to say today, and I know like on this weekend, we've got a lot working against us. We're just coming off of a, yet another snowstorm. It's daylight savings time. Why they can't do that on Fridays? They wait till Saturday night. I don't know. We should change that. But anyway, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here today because you all fought through all of that and got to church But I want to say both to this crowd and to the crowd that's watching online, I believe this morning I'm speaking to people that, spiritually speaking, that calf has a better community than you do. Because that calf has a community that he was a part of and his community came back for him. Let me be more clear in what I'm saying. I think today we see so many Christians believing a lie. And the lie basically says, I love God, I believe in God, I'm a, quote, spiritual person. I just had someone tell me this last week. I'm a spiritual person, but I don't, quote, do organized religion, or I don't need organized religion. And here's, I know what they mean when they say that, but I also kind of know what they mean when they say that. And what they basically mean when they say that is, I have a belief in God, but I want nothing to do with his family. I believe in Jesus, but I'm really not that interested in being a part of this band of brothers known as the church. And the reason that's a lie, here's the main point that I want to share with you today if you're following along and keeping notes on your handouts. And you've heard me say this before, and I will say this again and again and again until I no longer have breath to speak it. Here's the main thought for today. I need the church, and the church needs me. I need the church, and the church needs me me. I need the fellowship. I need to be a part of the fellowship. And when I'm disconnected from that, you know, it's, it's awesome that we showed a video dealing with lions, because if you read in the New Testament, we see in God's word that we have an enemy that scripture compares to a roaring what? He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to what? Devour. And Jesus said of that enemy in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. We have an enemy of my soul, your soul, prowling around, and he is looking to have you for lunch. And just like those lions we saw, he comes after the immature, he comes after the young, and he comes after those who are disconnected from the flock, those who are outside of the community, and he attacks 
We need one another. I need the church, and the church needs me. Here's what we're going to do in our time together today. If you notice on your notes, I've got like a machine gun bullet list of, of, of verses. We're going through every one of those. I want you to see from God's Word that Scripture, this is not just some thing that preachers like to talk about because, you know, the cynical mind would say, well, yeah, it's kind of self-serving for pastors to preach this because then we can have more people in the church and more money in the offering plate. I'm telling you, this is God's word to you and me. This is not just some random text in Scripture we're reading a lot into. All throughout Scripture, we get this idea that this thing called the body of Christ is necessary and needed and important. So I'm going to start in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. We'll go through some of these quickly. But God's word tells us, the Lord God said, it is what, church? It is not good for man to be what? Alone. And, and I know that the context that this was spoken was with the first human beings, Adam and Eve, and it was spoken in the context of Adam being without a mate, and so then God creates Eve. And so a lot of times we hear this verse spoken of in terms of marriage, right? Like it's not good for man to be alone. But I think there's a, a bigger principle here, that we were created in the image of God to be in relationship with other people. We were not created to live our lives in isolation. And, and I can tell you this is a deep teaching from Scripture. Like we are created in the image of a holy God who has, follow me on this, he has never been alone. God has never been in isolation. Even God in eternity past, before he created the earth and everything in it and put human beings in it, we serve a triune God, and this gets a little trippy for our, our finite human brains to get our, our, our minds around, but we serve a God who is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He has never been in isolation. He has always been in complete unified relationship within himself, within this triune Godhead. And he created us in his image. He created us for relationship with him and with one another. It is not good for man to be alone. I'm speaking to American Christians right now when I say this. Here in the U.S., we value the individual. We value individualism. And that has played out in the church in some really unhealthy ways because we've bought into this lie that says, I don't need other people, and I certainly don't need a church. I'll just, me and Jesus will do our own little thing. And I'm hoping that you see today from God's word, that's unhealthy. And it's not where God would have us to be. Furthermore, oh, I want to drill down into this. This is good. Let's go back to that thing where we talk about discipleship, the E, equipping, save people to follow Jesus. Again, this is such a Western culture thing when I say this. We often, as Westerners, we have this philosophy of education that if you want to be educated, that happens inside of where? Where do we go to get educated? School, in the classroom, right? So that plays out in our Christian faith like this. If I want to be educated and if I want to grow in Christ, I need to get classes. I need to sit in classes. I need to, to sit in more sermons. I need to be in, in um, you know, like different Bible studies. I need to fill my mind with knowledge and facts and data. I need to memorize scripture. And hear me clearly on this, church. None of that is bad. Like, those are good things. But when all that is, when all we have is knowledge apart from relationship, the Apostle Paul says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge causes us to be arrogant and, and prideful when it's not in the context of relationship. 
Here's the point I'm trying to make about this. I have met Christians over the years that are disconnected from the body. They're not in relationship with Christian community, and yet they have a lot of spiritual knowledge. They've sat through a lot of sermons. They've memorized a lot of scripture. They've taken some classes, maybe even done some seminary. But when they are disconnected from relationship, they become some of the most arrogant, prideful Christians you would ever want to meet. And because they don't do relationship with people, I'm telling you they're some of the most spiritually immature Christians you will ever meet. They know a lot, but they don't have the relational context to apply that knowledge to difficult relationships. And then what happens is they they get into this thing where there's not a church on the planet that's holy enough for their prideful heads full of knowledge. I've seen them come and go. They don't stay long because they get here and they're like, oh, there's all these people and they're not as smart as I am. They don't have as much knowledge as I have. Here's here's the point I'm trying to make. If we're really going to grow and be discipled as Christians, it is going to happen in the laboratory of relationships. So you can read as much Bible as you want to read. You can memorize as much scripture and sit through as many sermons as you please. But until you can be in relationship with difficult people and learn how to love them and learn how to be patient with them and learn how to forgive them, man, this is where growth happens. It's in relational context of Christian community. Because sometimes, we're, today when we go through these verses, you're going to hear this phrase again and again. The phrase is, one another. We're going to hear verses about serve one another, encourage one another, right? Like pray for one another. There's all these one another's in scripture. When you are trying to do the Christian life without the one another's, it's an immature place to be. You're not as spiritually mature as you think you are when you're cut off from Christian community. It is not good for man to be alone. Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to just run through some of these. We may park on some, but Let's get going. Hebrews 10, 25. This is every pastor's favorite verse. I love this verse. Let us, the writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up what? Meeting together. As this is apparently they had daylight savings back then too, as some are in the habit of doing. Like let's not give up the gathering of God's people as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. There it is, one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is God's word to believers saying, don't get in the habit of being disconnected from the family of God. The gathering is where you need to be. Let's keep going. Galatians 6.10. Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. This idea that we actually belong to one another. Let's keep going. Ephesians 2.19. You are a member of God's very own family, and you what? You belong in God's household with every other Christian. Romans 12.5 says, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. One body made up of many parts, and we have a responsibility to one another. We belong to each other. Matthew 18.20, Jesus said these words. He said, For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. And, and by the way, let me give it in the context. A lot of times we, we will share a verse like that on a Sunday and go, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there in our midst, he's with us, amen. But the context is interesting. The context of this verse is actually Jesus saying, when you are resolving conflict, read Matthew 18, when there's been an offense, when you have been sinned against or offended by your brother and you go to them and you sit down to be reconciled. What's happening 
relationship is happening, it's being restored. Jesus said, because that's hard to do, when two or three people gather in my name to be reconciled, I'll be there to help you through it. It's still a principle that I apply. I believe Jesus is here with us right now this morning. Amen. But for those of you that need to communicate and reconcile something with another brother or sister in Christ, Jesus promises you, I'll be there with you when you go to do it. He values this relational thing so much. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You belong to the body. You are not a complete body in and of yourself. You are just a part of a body. You need the church, and the church needs you. Let's go Old Testament for a minute. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one. This is not just true of tacos. It's also true of people. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Scripture says if you're going through life believing the lie that you don't need the church and you're in isolation and you're alone, Scripture says pity that person. Because when he or she falls, there's no one to help him up. There's no community to come back when the lion has got them in his clutches. Verse 12 says, um, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Think about that mental imagery for just a moment. When, when we're sharpening metal, we've got metal on metal. What happens when two pieces of metal come into contact with each other? Sparks fly. Have you ever been in relationships where sparks fly? And I'm not talking about romance. I'm talking about where we're keeping each other sharp, and it's not always comfortable. That's what happens when I'm in the body of Christ, when I'm in this faithful gathering of God's people, and I'm in community. Sometimes someone's going to get in my business because they need to be, and they're going to sharpen me. And here's what happens when I drift from the body of Christ, and I don't have other sharpening people around me. I get dull. I get rusty, and I get dull. And I think we have a culture full of dull Christians. They have lost their edge a long time ago because they believe the lie that said, I don't need the church. And the church certainly doesn't need me. Here's another one, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Question, how can you and I encourage one another daily when we only attend this gathering once a month or once every six weeks or once every eight weeks? Like, even once a week, like, I get the picture in the New Testament as I read through the the accounts of the early church, like, they valued the gathering even beyond just Sunday morning. It's like, almost like they did life together. It's almost like they had this strong relational thing going on, and they were actually part of this tight-knit community, this band of brothers. And therefore, the writer of Hebrews can tell them, encourage one another daily, And I know I'm meddling, I know I'm stepping on a few toes when I say this, but I just want to be really, really clear so that there's no uncertainty about this. Let me define this. Christian, if you are in the habit, like if your lifestyle has you gathering with the body of Christ once every six, seven, eight weeks, two, three, four months, and we don't see you in all that time between, let me just tell you, that is not faithful connection to the body of Christ. Amen? It's not. I understand there's work. I understand there's kids. I understand there's priorities and stuff comes up. But if your lifestyle, regardless of what it is, has you in a place where you're like, I simply cannot 
Find time to connect with God's family, except for once every month or two months. I'm just telling you, something needs to change. God's word hasn't changed. This, according to God's word, is a priority. So your lifestyle is out of priority with what God has said. Like, this is important. I need the church, and the church needs me. It's floored anymore when I meet Christians that kind of pat themselves on the back and talk about their involvement in church. And it's like, we never see you. What are you talking about? You're never here. Like, that's not faithful connection to the body of Christ. Encourage one another daily, not quarterly, right? Like, encourage one another daily. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. This one's good. Think, think about, let's go back to the video here. Brothers, if someone is, what's the word, church? Trapped. And who's the one that does the trapping? It's our enemy, right? Who prowls around like a roaring lion. Okay, so keep that video in mind. Brothers, if someone is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should ignore them and cut them off and never talk to them again because you're better than them. Is that how your Bible reads? Not mine either. It actually says, you who are spiritual should restore him how? Gently. It's almost like when the enemy has sunk his claws into someone's life who used to be a part of our community. And we see him pulling them back toward a lifestyle of sin and addiction and darkness. It's almost like the community comes back for them. And we pull them back. Like, we're not giving you up this easy. You who are spiritual should restore him gently. And he goes on to say, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. Jesus Christ did not give you and I spiritual gifts so that you can stay disconnected from the body and not be able to use those gifts. He put spiritual gifts inside of us to use them to serve one another. Next verse, Galatians 5.13 says, Serve one another in love. Hard to serve one another when I'm not connected to one another. Romans 15.7, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. The church of Jesus ought to be one of the most accepting places on the planet. Hear me, I'm not saying that we tolerate sin. I'm not saying that we turn a blind eye toward bad behavior and sinful lifestyle and living, but the church ought to be one of the most accepting places where, man, if you're winning in life, we accept you. If you're struggling in life, we accept you. You come through these doors exactly as you are, and we'll accept you. You can belong here. Even before you believe what we believe, you can belong to us and be a part of us. Accept one another. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know what I just heard there? I heard God's word tell us, bear with each other, be patient with each other, and forgive each other. Why is this in the Bible? Because God knows that when you get more than one sinful person together in a gathering called the church, it's only a matter of time before you get on my nerves and I get on your nerves and I do something to offend you and now you need to forgive me and I need to forgive you. And it's see what I mean when I say it's in this laboratory of relationships that we grow spiritually. I need the church and the church needs me. A few more. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. It's the purpose of the church. It's part of the fellowship to build one another up. Romans 12.10 Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Ephesians 5.21 Submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ? Did, did you catch all the one another's in there? And guys, we could keep going. Please understand, this is not just some you know, pastoral thing, a way we try to get more people in the pews, so to speak. All throughout Scripture, God is saying to His people, I value the bride of Christ. I gave my life for my church. You need my church, and my church needs you. You're a part of it. You belong. It's fellowship. I need the church, and the church needs me. All right, I hope I haven't been unclear today. My sermon's just about done. Like, again, this isn't John's words. This is the word of God. And here, one other thing, I want to say this too. I know sometimes when, when you take a bunch of scripture and just throw it out there like that, there, there can be, the, the, the potential is there to take the Bible and make it say what you want it to say, right? Like, people can do that. And that's why it's so important when you read Scripture, you need to read it in its context. Otherwise, you're, you're like that guy who one time got up and had his devotions, and, and he said, God, I'm just going to close my eyes and thumb through my Bible, and I'm going to point to a verse, and whatever it is, I'm just going to do it. And he, he opened it up, and it said, Judas went and hanged himself. And he's like, whoa. Okay, that can't be your word to me, Lord. So he thumbed through a few more pages, closed his eyes, put his finger down, and read, Go and do likewise. Okay, that's not how we read the Bible. Okay, that's out of context, totally. Okay, so here's my challenge to you. You you do the homework and make sure that I'm telling you what God's word is really saying. Take those scriptures and go read the context and see if you don't come away from this message saying, yep, I'm pretty sure that the summary of all of this scripture is that I need the church and the church needs me. Let me, let me give three practical applications here for this, okay? If you're following along with me, you'll notice, first of all, I just make this statement. I am responsible for fellowship. Like, we all have responsibility when it comes to this thing called fellowship in the body of Christ. Three specifics, though, that I want to give you is this. Number one, I must make the commitment to faithfully gather with the body of Christ, that is a decision that at some point you are going to have to make as a Christ follower. Am I really going to be committed to the local church or not? Like, am I going to go all in and say, okay, if, if, if every, like, unless there's some true extenuating circumstances keeping me away from church, I'm going to be there. I'm going to gather when God's house is open and the people of God's family come together for worship. I will be part of that gathering. You have to make that commitment. And, and, and here's something I've seen in the church, and, and even as I look back in my 15 years and leading a church, I can recognize times where I led us to be a part of this, where we see it, it's where we just try and make things attractional. We've got to keep a big dog and pony show going. This Sunday has to be better than the last. We've, we've got free donuts. We've got free this. We've got free that. And at the end of the day, None of that is enough to get God's people to the gathering until they decide, you know what, I need to be there whether there's free flipping donuts or not. I need to be in God's house with his people. Amen? Amen. I got to make that decision to be a part of the gathering. And, and, and here's the thing, guys. We know there's some default setting that seeks to just pull us away from that. I get it. Can I make a confession as a pastor, even as Pastor John? There are times I hear that little voice whisper and go, you know how easy it'd be just to not have to go to church on Sunday? Sometimes my wife is ripping the covers off me, like, honey, you have to go to church. You're the pastor. I'm like, oh, five more minutes. No, it doesn't really ever happen that way. But I think that way sometimes. 
And not just like skipping a Sunday here or there. There's those times where I'm like, it would be so easy just to disconnect and just not do this church thing ever again. But check it out. Let's just call that what it is. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking in those moments, is it? It's the voice of the enemy saying, come away from the herd. Come away from the pack where I can eat you for lunch. I need to make a commitment to be part of a faithful gathering. I'm going to be there when the doors are open. I'm gathering with my church body. Number two, I must be actively developing deeper relationships within God's family. So we gather on Sunday. That's kind of biblical. The first day of the week, we gather together. Um, But here's the thing, guys. As a church grows in number, it it quickly becomes impossible for us all to be in deep, close relationship with everybody in the church. So we are going to have some of those relationships that are a little superficial, like, hi, how are you doing? You know, go Vikings, whatever. But then we don't really talk much more beyond that. But in that body of Christ, there needs to be some deeper relationships in the family where I know people and they know me. And I'm just going to tell you this. Over the years, if you've been with us for a length of time, you know the struggle that I've talked about this openly. Like so many times we've tried to like launch different initiatives of small groups, Bible studies, getting people in relationships, and they'll go kind of good for a while, then they fizzle out, and some good things have definitely come from that, but then they fizzle, and then I've, I've given up, like, well, we just suck at doing small groups, so we just won't do them, and, and then I come back and double down, no, we've got to do small groups, it's so important, you've seen me, right, you've, you've been a part of this roller coaster, and guys, here's the conclusion I've come to, until you as an individual Christian understand I need this for my life, I am going to take responsibility to go deep in relationship with a few Christians in my life. To really get to know some Christians in my church family, the the church leadership can only bring you so far down that road. We can make a few things possible. We we, We can invite you to certain things and set up some groups. But at the end of the day, until God's people go, this is a part of my discipleship. And I need to be in close, deep relationship with some believers in this band of brothers. It'll never happen for you. I cannot make it happen for you until you decide this will be a priority in my life. So my challenge, very practically speaking, this is going to blow some people's minds, but they still do this in some parts of the world. They still actually, sometimes people will do this thing where they invite other people into their house for a meal. It's weird. They actually sit around the table and eat together. I know, right? I told you it's crazy. You're looking at me like, does that really happen? I don't think it does. It does. There's people who actually get together for coffee outside of church sometimes. Did you know that? It's possible that that you could take that responsibility upon yourself and say, hey, honey, who do we want to have over for supper this week? Hey, can we get together for coffee and just get to know each other a little bit more? Can we pray together? I want to challenge you to make it a commitment to go deep in a few relationships. By the way, I'll give you a quick analogy. I read this one time, um, trying to remember the author, Larry, someone or another, that uses this analogy of Legos. You all know the little Lego toys that kids use, the little blocks, and they all have these little connectors on them. And he makes the point that all of us have a limited number of connectors. You think about Legos, some just have literally one little dot. Some have two. Some are a little longer and they have maybe six or eight. I think they're all even numbers, aren't they? I don't think there's any odd number Legos. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is this. At some point, all of us run out of connectors. Some of us, based on how we're wired in our personality, we have very few connectors. Some who are maybe a little bit more outgoing and, and, and extroverted might have more connectors. But the point is this. At some point, I can't keep deeply connecting 
with all kinds of people. At some point, I'm going to have a capacity for just a few relationships that I really go deep with. And that, that, that responsibility is on each and every individual believer to make that commitment. Finally, number three, I must lovingly pursue my brother or sister when they wander from the flock. One of the most painful parts of, of ministry, I'll never be okay with it, I'll never get over it, but I recognize as I study the life of our leader, the Lord Jesus, even Jesus had disciples betray him and turn their back and walk away. So if Jesus had a Judas as, as God's family left behind, we're still going to have people that, that betray us, that leave us, that walk away. But I will never be okay with it. I accept it, but I don't like it. And sometimes people wander away because of a rebellious hard heart, and other times people wander away because they're like that calf that got taken out by the enemy. And they need a band of brothers to come back for them. They need a community of believers to circle back around and go, hey, we're, we're here to reach out for you. You missed that part in the video. Go watch it on your own where this one buffalo just comes in and launches a lion. Sometimes God's people need to face the lion head on on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are trapped in sin and intercede for them in prayer, intervene in their life, whatever that looks like. But by the way, for those of you that are like, well, no one's come for me, have you put yourself in a community? That's the, that's the catch-22 when you isolate yourself and you don't have those relationships. It's a lot harder for the, for the community to circle back around for you. That's why somebody say it. I need the church and the church needs me. One last point, and then I'm going to pray. Notice on your handouts, we did this on purpose. Notice the, the red lettering there under the application point. I said, I'm responsible for fellowship. And then under that, the word is body, the word is family, and the word is flock. Those four words in the New Testament are the descriptions given for the local church. The church is a fellowship. The fellowship is a noun and it's a verb. It's something we are and it's something we do. The church is a fellowship, the church is a body, the church is a family, and the church is a flock. And I don't care which of those metaphors speaks more powerfully to you, to disconnect yourself from any of them is not healthy. To be a body part removed from the body, it's kind of a bad thing, right? You're having a bad day when one of your body parts gets removed, most of the time. Rarely do we sign up for that, right? It's not a good thing to have a family and to lose your family, I just got disconnected from my whole family. That's, that's a bad day when that happens. It's a bad day when you're part of a flock and you wander off and you look up and realize, where did the flock go? What are those eyes peering out of the darkness at me? It ain't the flock. It's the lion. He's coming. You better get back to the flock. I need the church and the church needs me. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer today. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given to us. I thank you for this time in your house with your people. God, my prayer is that the tone of this would not come off as like one of anger and guilt. I know I get kind of fired up about this, but Lord, as I read your word, I can't help but think you get kind of fired up about this. It's almost like you're telling us in your word that this thing called the body of Christ, the family of believers, this band of brothers, this fellowship. It's almost like you're telling us it's a vital part of our spiritual life. It's a vital part of our spiritual growth and development. And we desperately need one another. And yet, sadly, Lord Jesus, as I look out 
at our culture today. And even beyond that, as I just look right here within our own church family, I see so often where we have such a low view of the body of Christ. We have such a lackadaisical view, like we just put it so far down on the list of priorities. When you, Jesus, put it way high up on the list of priorities. So my prayer is is that we don't walk out of here today feeling guilt and shame and condemnation. My prayer is that we hear your spirit throwing down the gauntlet of challenge. I challenge you. If you want to grow, if you want to be healthy, if you want to be protected, if you want the blessing that God wants to give through his bride, the body of Christ, that you connect yourself and you stay faithful to the fellowship. Lord, I pray that you would take this message and do with it whatever you seek to do in the hearts of your people. I pray if there's anybody here watching this today online that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they bow in surrender and submission to the authority of the King of Kings and invite you into their heart and life as their Savior from sin. Jesus, we love you. I I just entrust this message to you that you will use it powerfully in the hearts and lives of your people long after we walk out of the building here today. It's in your precious and holy name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rescue Church Past Messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses or check out our iCampus at therescuechurch.tv.